0: You're now tuned in to the Desire to Trade podcast, a show where we bring you the best figures of the trading world and teach you how you can become a successful trader. This is your host, Etienne Kret. Etienne Kret here, forex trader and founder of Desire to Trade. Welcome to episode 95 of the desire trade podcast. There's only five episodes left before the 100th episode. Last week for the episode, I sat down with the trader I met at the China Forex Expo. And this week I did the same with the leader of the panel discussion at that expo, Rahan Kassam. Rahan is working at TradingView, which is pretty much my go-to option all the time in terms of platform. But it felt really good to meet someone from the team at TradingView. And to hear about everything they had to work on, all the things they faced, but also to get Rahan's perspective of trading. It's pretty amazing to think about everything Rahan is doing these days, which is pretty much traveling, working, and trading at the same time. So in this interview, we dive a lot into the topics that Rahan has seen while working at TradingView, which is mainly focused on the difference between being an analyst and a trader which is a completely different world. But we also jump into the topic of trading for other people, which I know a lot of you guys are interested in, and myself as well. I'll leave you guys with this interview, so please help me welcome Rahan Kassam. Rahan Kassam, welcome to our podcast. How's it going
1: today? Hi all, good to join your podcast. Feeling all right? What about yourself?
0: Yeah, cool, very good. I'm super happy to talk with you again after the China Forex Expo. For you guys that didn't know that didn't watch the replay, Rahan was the uh, kind of leader of the panel discussion at the Forex Expo. And we have some really good things to talk about today because you're working on TradingView. But start to tell us about one quote that inspires you.
1: I'd refer with uh, pleasure to a signature book of Nicholas Nassim Taleb. Despite himself being quite a controversial author, he's put quite an important piece of thought which says mistakes come from a very serious problem people uh, tend to overestimate their knowledge and underestimate the potential of being wrong. like that.
0: So we have some good things to talk about today, some exciting things, but tell us a little bit what's going on these days for you, like what you're up to exactly.
1: It's been quite busy months. I tried to follow the other trader's squad to sell in May and go away. So that's how we caught up in the beginning of the month in Shenzhen. And last week, I attended the uh, IFX Expo, uh, which is a well, one of the biggest expos in uh, B2B Forex, located in Limassol, Cyprus. Nice, nice. Yeah, and at the moment, back to my screens, back to the desk.
0: <laughs> I love that. The thing is, yeah, you seem to be like, really busy, so you, have, you trade pretty much every single day, right?
1: Right, I describe myself as a day trader, okay. and if you hadn't had the chance to introduce myself. I'm uh, also working at TradingView, Mm -hmm. which is uh, one of the biggest social networks for traders so far. But in my experience, these activities are really supporting each other rather than distracting. And I enjoy the opportunity of mixing the trading and uh, managing activities within the trading network and the platform basically primarily targeted for active traders at the same time within a single day.
0: Yeah. It's a lot though. Even if you do this plus traveling, like it's <laughs> it's really a lot. I don't know how you manage it, but it's cool. It's cool. So the thing I like to do is I like to go back a little bit in time and ask people how they start to trade exactly. So how was it for you to come across trading in the first place?
1: I think that trading has caught my attention as a fascinating topic. You know, the type of activity you'd like to to be performing when you are grown up. So keeping it basic, I just uh, keep following my child dream.
0: Cool, and how was it for you to learn? Did you go through a couple of challenges or was it easy to learn to trade? And to go like uh, pretty much full time making money after that?
1: Sure, the journey was quite long and it should have been uh, shorter if uh, I didn't choose to learn everything by myself. The thing is I'm a type of character which has a critical outlook to following the advices of market gurus or attending the courses and workshops. So I took a longer road of uh, studying the, well, the theory and the analytical tools available for the traders by myself from the, from the books and uh, from the trading manuals. Yeah, that's a long road, (laughs) long road. Yeah, given a view backward, it was probably not the wisest decision. Of course, your understanding of material somewhat improves if you're trying to understand it by yourself and not consume the already adapted part of material. However, I'm not that sure that one needs to go over all of the classic mistakes, let's say. Moving stops or overestimating the risk, etc.
0: But those are things that you learn over time. No, they're not things that you can really <laughs> read in a book most of the time. I think.
1: Sure, sure. I started back in 2011, and I consider the uh, first three years well as a starting point for learning uh, basic and advanced trading and analytical tools. And probably the deal breaker for my trading was coming to. Understanding of uh, following and uh, targeting the percentage numbers unlike the absolute numbers.
0: Okay, so tell us about it a little bit. What does that look like exactly?
1: So the thing is, when the novice trader starts his career or starts to pursue his dream, he usually puts his target in a clearer absolute numbers. Let's say I'd want to take 2K monthly from this activity. I would want to target 7K monthly from my day trading. And having this uh, target, he underestimates what this target looks like in comparison to his base account, or in comparison to the general numbers that uh, are applied and referred to in the uh, investing and trading world.
0: Mm-hmm. So your way was to look basically at the percentage of return that you expect per month? Because I think it's really tough sometimes to expect something for the market, no?
1: Well, you just need to be honest to yourself and to put your targets correctly. Let's get down to numbers and uh, choose a, a standard uh, real account traded at 10k USD. And imagine this person in 5k turnaround in a month which means he's targeting 50% growth rate month-wise and over 600% growth in, on an annual rate. So if uh, by some chance, which is a statistical mistake, this uh, this person confirms this result, the likelihood of this result being confirmed and repeated again is quite, quite marginal.
0: Pretty close to zero, let's
1: say. Yeah, Yeah. so the thing is that when you're just starting trading, you put so much more attention to your immediate result. Like, I need to get my numbers green by the end of the month, and today is 30th of May, so I've got 36 hours to go. (laughs) So let's say I take 20x leverage on dollar yen right right now, and probably I reach my target by month. So, that's the common mistake that happens over and over again, and that's something that should be excluded, like the one needs to move his target perspective to some consistent result, and it really requires some heroic patience,
0: yeah, yeah, so the thing I understand is that you're kind of having a goal and percentage per month, but it's kind of a real like it's kind of a goal that's realistic, it's not a goal that's gonna be like super crazy that. You gotta have like to risk everything to get that goal.
1: Yeah, if you're if you're asking about my personal targets, I've derived a conservative strategy, which uh, targets just four uh, percent monthly, and a more aggressive one, which enjoys around twelve percentage monthly, with the distance in drawdown three times between the strategies. So one of the difficult points that I had to overcome by myself, and which is likely. For the other traders appearing in the same position is the understanding that these numbers that you can pursue can be consistent, but they are not sexy enough. If you go back to your standard and basic account of, let's say, 10K or 20K, and you apply this 4% monthly return, it may look good for the newsfeed, but it doesn't look sexy for yourself. It's like counting your profit in hundreds and it probably won't be justified for the more people.
0: Yeah. I know a lot of people and, at that level where they, they struggle. They get told by yeah, like people that they couldn't, like they, they cannot get a high return in percentages. So they get like frustrated because they don't have enough money to trade. So how did you overcome that challenge? How did you accept the fact that you would not have a sexy like profit per month, let's say at the beginning?
1: I think that the point of discussion that we've currently reached is some checkpoint where most of traders who are more on a gambling side or on a playground side of trading get off the day trading and probably switch their focus to pure gambling or they try poker, they try sport bets. And those who still want to continue, well, do some math. And understand that the desirable result probably comes from the six-digit number account, and the actual target is becoming how to reach these funds. If you're an individual, it's highly likely you're not able to reach these funds yourself. And that's the point when your consistency starts playing for you. So starts working for you is a better verb. Yeah.
0: I like the idea because there's really a difference between the one who are going to be committed to trading, right? It's just going to accept the fact that they have to deal with this, and the other ones are just going to give up or go to other gambling.
1: Yeah, correct. So the following point would be probably the least sexy part of the journey. When you're working with, let's say, your own money account, and the actual return that you're getting is uh, not exactly the amount that you would pay off your living or pay pay off your living on the fancy lifestyle as it's uh, depicted in Forex ads. And uh, this period is primarily necessary to prove your ability to operate real money and uh, prove the performance uh, that you've mastered with your analytical tools. And once you reach some other checkpoint, let's say nine months or usually one year from starting this account, it's really the point that you can start reaching for the external money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a longer story, and it uh, requires uh, some kind of, well, vision and mid-term planning, unlike setting up a Forex account and uh, starting day trading, targeting some absolute numbers. But if someone is uh, keen to trade consistently, and if you're listening to this podcast, it's quite likely that you, you're among these people. I really invite you to put your current trading activity into this perspective of immediate result vs the annual result.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the longer result, which is really, really big. Yeah, for sure. As you go to the point where you are trading for other people, or is it your own money that you keep trading at this point?
1: Well, I'm, I'm already managing the, uh, the external funds at uh-huh. uh, the three different platforms. Uh, one is uh, Darwinex, which has recently introduced himself as an open trader network. And I think that this concept of managed accounts that are additionally regulated with the risk management bridge is quite a hot topic. And uh, I believe that we'll see more of such projects in the near time because it's a valuable solution for both the person who's managing by himself and also for investors he gets an additional guarantee in the worst case scenario when the trader's performance starts to get to negative territory.
0: FX Street is the leading independent portal dedicated to the Forex market. It offers objective and high-quality content, as well as education to traders and institutions worldwide. Since the year 2000, it's pretty much my go-to option whenever I want to find analysis, live currency news, or whenever I want to find a guest for the podcast. Someone who's dedicated and who's hardworking. They even have a list that allows you to compare different brokers on their website, like which one has the best spread or many other factors, which I thought was pretty smart. If you guys want to check it out, you simply have to go on fxstreet.com. Again, that's fxstreet.com, and I'm sure that's going to help. And everyone can get on that or next, or is it you have to pull a track record first and then you go on, on the site?
1: Well, basically, the registration is open for anyone. But in order to apply to the management part of the platform, you definitely need to refer to some requirements such as your account duration, your account performance, of course, your account drawdown. I think it's around 1,200 Darwin's being active at the moment. And uh, a few hundred of them are, uh, well, are quite consistent strategies.
0: I got See, I I was not aware of that side, but it's pretty interesting as a concept for sure.
1: Yeah, the the concept is not that uh, new, really. Here in CIS region, we had a boom of PAM and MAM brokers, well, four or five years ago, which offered these managed accounts. But their reputation and their image was somewhat destroyed by the lack of regulation. On one side, the broker's regulation. So the projects were most likely offshore and you wouldn't expect a a serious investor to come to an offshore broker platform. And the other point is lack of internal account regulation. So all of the focus was put on maximum profit and the duration of the lifespan of the account usually presented in the PEM accounts did not usually exceed six months or even three or four months. So the idea of managed accounts has got a lot of perspective, but it needs to get a better regulation.
0: Yeah, that, that's a big part. Yeah, for sure. And the other topic we need to talk about, I feel, there's a quote by Mark Douglas. I think he said, the best analysts are often the worst traders. And we need to talk about this because you work a lot with like analysts and trading views like probably an analysis platform at the best. Like, what have you seen so far being the difference between both?
1: It's an exciting topic uh, indeed. Good trader is uh, primarily consistent in the money management, whereas, uh, good analyst is uh, primarily uh, focused on uh, forecasting the markets correctly. And the thing that many people are probably underestimating is that being a good analyst would help you being a good trader, but being a good analyst does not guarantee for you being a good trader. So when someone starts trading, he naturally turns his focus on understanding the markets, which brings him to different manuals of uh, technical analysis, prediction strategies, automated strategies, etc. And the mindset of this process, how I see this, is the following. In order to understand the market, I I need to study it in in details. And people go into very detailed analysis and some of them get really well in, in predicting the future market moves correctly. But if this analysis is not backed up with the correct risk strategy and above all, the correct money management, it won't be converted into a profitable strategy. So just a basic example: you can make eight profitable trades out of ten, but if two remaining negative trades are not well are not adjusted by risk, uh, they can destroy both your eight uh, eight previous profits and uh, the base account.
0: Yeah, and you could have the inverse where you could have only like three winning trades out of ten and still like make a lot of money, which is interesting.
1: Yeah, that mainly comes of risk to profit ratio. And I found it in my personal experience uh, that uh, it's quite difficult to pursue a proper risk to profit ratio. If you really want to follow the book advices and apply risk to profit ratio more than two to one, you would come to a situation when uh, you're missing most of the calls that your analytical strategy offers to you. But if you're disciplined enough to follow this, you'd probably be happy with the result on your trading accounts, it goes down. But you basically cut off these noisy trades, which are good to try, but they probably end up with stop loss.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is it the way you're doing it now? Or I would like to ask you just simply how do you take profit in your trade, basically?
1: As I've mentioned, I follow a few accounts. So the one which is, a conservative one definitely applies to this strategy, so I'm not taking a position response to risk-to-profit ratio higher than two. Mm-hmm. Well the trading activity is around just 20 to 25 trades per month with a, with an average duration of a week. And the other accounting like it, is it tends to be more aggressive with the average duration of just three to four trading days and um, well i can see that the number of trades does not come is not directly converted in the profit difference Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is interesting so one of them is like taking more trades and the other one is not taking that many trades yeah cool cool and what would you say to someone who's good at analyzing the market, like they have all the tools, they've read all the technical analysis books, they know like how to use pretty much all the indicators. How can they become good traders?
1: Well, that's an interesting point. In my experience, when speaking to these professional analysts, I surprisingly see that many of them are not that really interested in stepping into this trader territory. And they are quite uh, happy with the with being focused on the analytical side. My advice would be just plain. It's going after the money management strategy. It can probably be creating a table for yourself where you make a well, a scaling table of your account size and put the put a few numbers, let's say the maximum loss per trade, the maximum loss applied for all trades, well, the maximum loss which is applied in case of extraordinary market situations. When when this table is built, when you place the trades, you always convert and compare and confirm the numbers that are coming from the selected position size, if they are going in line with the initially suggested table.
0: But that shows a lot the importance of tracking your stats and like knowing what your strategy is supposed to be.
1: Sure. That's something that's followed more easily in comparison to money management. In my experience, when the account becomes a losing account, it's not the win-to-lose ratio that comes to descent. It's primarily the risk drawdown option that starts to downgrade very heavily. Mm-hmm. So it's like the trader taking too many trades? It's like a trader going off the rails and applying the same analytical strategy, yet regardless of the initially applied money rules. Okay, okay, okay. I
0: okay, guess so it's like betting a lot on one trade because you think it's going to be right, but having a reason to bet more on that trade.
1: Yeah, correct. Yeah,
0: okay. It's, it's interesting to talk about. The other thing I want to talk about too, and you dive in a little bit so far is uh, the importance of stats. So what are some stats that you follow for your trading strategies on a daily basis? And do you have any tools to help you out with that process?
1: I think that the stats that are interesting for the individual traders are quite plain. It's profit and drawdown on the various timeframes, let's say month, quarter, year. It's profit to loss ratio. And it's all also a absolute numbers in best and worst trades, both in your account currency as well as pips, because uh, the value of pip is not always related to to your absolute currency value. Uh, yeah, it can vary a lot depending on the pair you trade. Yeah, I remember back in uh, Shenzhen uh, we touched the the topic of uh, following a trading journal. And to be honest, I'm the one who's not applying the trading journal. However, that like there is a different way of following your trades, which I naturally applied to being a part of TradingView community, is publishing trading ideas. Mm-hmm. So when you start this activity, you step on the analytical side of the market trading, and for more people. Publishing trading ideas on a regular basis can be kind of self-disciplined scene. So if you're seeing a sell opportunity on a certain currency cross, you enter this as a trading idea. You most likely select the levels. And as long as this idea and is probably followed by some other traders or people, you feel, well, an external responsibility yeah. to follow this trade in a way that was initially intended to be. If you're not having this idea published or being considered by other people, you're way more likely to break your own rule and close the position earlier that it was expected based on your own analytical strategy. So this, uh, this way of uh, publishing your ideas is a good way of self-organization.
0: That's like, just to show my experience, that, that's one thing I noticed a lot. With trading view, is the fact that you get some accountability from this. And I guess also the fact that it's a social platform, so other people can like comment on your ideas. And I think that's a way to learn it also. Like you can learn from other traders, I guess.
1: Yeah. And here I also want to uh, argue with a popular point on the contrary of uh, publishing ideas. If a successful, well, more successful traders or traders who consider themselves successful, they tend not to publish their ideas because they see it as a way of, well, sharing their intellectual property, giving a basically free access to their successful trading, well, just for reputation score or for some social confirmation. I don't really agree with uh, this outlook as we've um, described just recently. The correct analytical approach cannot be converted into a successful trade until it's until it's executed properly so even if you place a correct trading idea and you think that people go after it the same way as you published it you're likely wrong because the entry point the lot size the actual take profit or or stop loss level would likely be not identical to what's published in your idea.
0: Yeah, and that's a big point. And there's also the fact of like when the person's gonna exit, maybe they have like a small profit, then they get out right away because they're stressed. And the other experienced trader might not like get out right away. So it could vary a lot, <laughs> of course. True. Cool, cool. So any other advice you would like to give to traders in general, people listening to this, something they should consider or they should maybe learn?
1: I'd want to uh, get back to the start of our conversation and underscore again the importance of the consistency in your trading. Yeah. Even if you feel that you've mastered your analytical uh, strategy correctly and you've got some proven experience before, you shouldn't really speed the process over in terms of immediate result. Because in the longer term it's not an immediate result which makes people interested in your account or in your strategy. It's rather a consistent performance which is uh, confirmed by a longer time and which is confirmed being repeated throughout the time.
0: Yeah. So just to like rephrase this, it's, it's not you're going to say I made a big profit last. It's not going to be I made a big profit last week. It's going to be I've been making like 4% per month. On average, for the past like ten years or something, so I think that's much more powerful.
1: It's always good to start with uh, at least ten months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, <laughs> not gonna be that great to have from yeah. the start, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's the idea. We've got a my Facebook uh, trader community, which is uh, mainly a monitoring tool. And if you go to the community outlook, you can be surprised how a number of about million traders are unable to approve the accounts of a lifespan more than a year. So I probably won't be the, the first one in your podcast series to remind that patients pays off. But it's uh, always good to hear it another time, right?
0: Oh, yeah, of course. And people tend to not be patient. So it's good to be reminded all the time. You get patient by hearing about patients, I guess. <laughs> it's big really key. Yeah. Sure, so sure, sure. how can people find you if they want to connect with you or reach out? And I think people should have to check TradingView for sure. So maybe give it a plug for it.
1: I think the easiest way to communicate with me is uh, type Rawan at TradingView platform. And if you've got some uh, feedback for our conversation or want some uh, follow-up in regards to what's being discussed, easily send me a message there and we continue from there.
0: Cool. And Rahan, we've talked about this before, but what kind of goal do you have for the future?
1: Well, it's a good question. I think I'm quite happy with the sense of things happening at the moment. So I think I'm enjoying the present moment. So and would like to see the, well, just its natural development in the near and farther future. But it mainly uh, goes for extending the activity in the managed accounts territory.
0: Yeah, yeah, and there's like a lot of room for growth in that field for Sure.
1: Sure. And for the trading view part, we are building actively our regional communities. That's actually the part of activity I'm responsible for. We've uh, started with just a few sub-communities for Japanese, Russian, and Spanish traders because they've got peculiar languages and it's quite easier for them to communicate with. Just to give some light on the short-term perspective, we are looking closely into Southeast Asia region. So Indonesian, Malay, Thailand and Vietnamese versions are yet to come in the future months.
0: That's a big expansion. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> I like that.:
1: Yeah, but uh, it's something that's uh, really necessary for uh, for the local traders. like yeah. on a general basis, you like understand that the one who wants to reach some data can easily do it in English, and then when you offer a localized platform. You just get surprised with how bigger the market is if you provide this localization.
0: Cool, cool. So, Rahan, we have a question we as a guess, at the end of every podcast. If you could give only one piece of advice for traders in one sentence, what would that
1: one sentence of advice be? Don't underestimate the importance of consistent trading.
0: Oh, I love that. That's powerful. Rahan Kassam, thanks so much for being on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Etienne. Good to speak with you. All right, guys, that was it for the interview with Rahan Kassan. I hope you guys liked it. I learned a lot from this interview for sure, and I'll definitely apply a couple of things. It's always good to be reminded of patience. That's a big key here. If you guys want to check out TradingView, which is always my go-to option right now, simply head over to desire forward slash tradingview. The link is going to be in the show notes of this episode. The show notes are all on desire And I strongly encourage you guys to go back and listen to other episodes. There's a lot that has been covered in all the interviews. Make sure to enjoy the week. Make the best of it. And I'll see you guys next week for the next episode of the Desire to Trade podcast. Ciao.